There is no political inconvenience exception to the United States Constitution. Thank you, Senator. Agreed. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. Out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire, on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us. If you had any question about whether Donald Trump is heading up a scofflaw administration with zero respect for the Constitution or the rule of law, and frankly, I don't know how you could have any such questions by now. Even someone who is a Fox News dupe, even they ought to know by now that this is an out-of-control administration that doesn't give a damn about the rule of law or the Constitution, separations of power, all of that stuff. But just in case you don't uh, and you still have questions by now, and oddly enough, it actually seems like a number of congressional Democrats and presidential candidates seem to have such questions. In case you have those questions, we have this today. The House Oversight Committee moved on Tuesday to hold a former White House personnel security director in contempt of Congress for failing to appear at a hearing investigating alleged lapses in White House security clearance procedures. You know, those security clearance issues that Donald Trump and Republicans pretending to care about uh, during the uh, campaign would chant, lock her up, lock her up, whenever it came up in 2016. And ever since, they're still chanting that. And yet, with the security clearance issues at this White House, it's like they haven't even noticed, they don't even care, and now they are obstructing the investigation into it. Congressman Elijah Cummings of Maryland, the Democratic chair of the House Oversight Committee, said he would consult with the U.S. House Counsel and members of the panel about scheduling a vote on contempt 
for former White House Personnel Security Director Carl Klein. At the instruction of the White House, Klein refused to show up for scheduled testimony on security clearances on Tuesday. He just refused on the instruction of the White House. He did not show up. He did not show up and claim the Fifth Amendment uh, right not to incriminate himself. He did not show up and claim executive privilege. He just did not bother to go on the advice of the White House. The move marks a dramatic escalation of tensions between Congress and the Trump White House today, which is increasingly resisting requests for information from Capitol Hill. You know, legal constitutional requests with statutory power behind them. Cummings uh, said in a statement, quote, the White House and Mr. Klein now stand in open defiance of a duly authorized congressional subpoena with no assertion of any privilege of any kind by President Trump. Based on these actions, he said, it appears that the president believes that the Constitution does not apply to his White House, that he may order officials at will to violate their legal obligations and that he may obstruct attempts by Congress to conduct oversight. Anyone other than congressional Democrats and presidential candidates surprised by this story yet? Is any of this surprising to you, Desi Doyen? <laughs> Actually, no, not at all. A defiant Trump uh, waiting to see if the Democrats are going to blink? That's what he does. That's and, what he does. And, of and course, he's gotten away with it a lot his entire course, life. The Democrats do a lot of blinking. So uh, go back to Washington Post here, White House Deputy Counsel Michael Purpura wrote a letter on Monday instructing Klein, who now works at the Defense Department, not to show up for a scheduled deposition before the committee on Tuesday. In a letter to Klein's lawyer obtained by the uh, Post, Purpura uh, wrote that a Committee subpoena asking Klein to appear, quote, unconstitutionally encroaches on fundamental executive branch interests. Interests? Not not rights or constitutional separation of powers, but interests? The White House has no interest, apparently, in an employee answering a lawful subpoena, I guess. The White House is more interested in doing other things than being overseen by Congress as called for in the Constitution. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why they're just not interested. In a separate letter on Monday, Klein's attorney, Robert Driscoll, told the House panel that his client would adhere to the White House recommendation, quote, with two masters from two equal branches of government, we will follow the instructions of the one that employs him, Driscoll wrote in the letter to Cummings. I wonder if he's one of those officials who had to swear an oath to the Constitution, not to Trump as a personal savior. You're right. Uh, or to his employer, uh, because he's... You're right. He's supposed to defend the Constitution. Cummings signed a subpoena this month for Klein to appear on Tuesday. That subpoena followed testimony from a White House personnel security whistleblower, Tricia Newbold. We talked about this a week or so ago. She alleged that the White House has been recklessly granting security clearances to individuals whom lower level administration personnel staff had found to be unworthy of those security clearances for all sorts of reasons. Newbold, who processed security clearances under Klein at the White House for the first two years of the administration, 
told the Oversight Committee that more than two dozen denials for security clearances had been overturned during the Trump administration. She said Congress was her, quote, last hope for addressing what she considered to be improper conduct that left the nation's secrets exposed. Newbold is an 18-year veteran of the security clearance process. She served under Republicans and Democratic presidents alike. She said she warned her superiors that clearances, quote, were not always adjudicated in the best interest of national security and that she faced retaliation for doing so. Among those uh, whose clearances she questioned was presidential son-in-law Jared Kushner, who Trump ultimately demanded be granted a permanent top-secret clearance despite the concerns of all of these intelligence officials. Kushner was identified only as Senior White House Official 1 in uh, committee documents that were, were released during the first week of the month following Newbold's testimony in her deposition. Newbold said her staff determined that Kushner had too many, quote, significant disqualifying factors to receive a clearance. However, that recommendation was subsequently overruled by Klein, the career official who then headed the office, according to Newbold's interview with the committee staff. While Kushner's security clearance was pending, in the meanwhile, he held an interim top, se top secret clearance that at one point also gave him access to some of the government's most sensitive materials, including the presidential's, president's daily intelligence brief that security officials said he decidedly not should not have access to. Last February, for a short time, his clearance was reduced to just secret, as opposed to top secret, as part of an effort by then-Chief of Staff John Kelly to limit the number of White House officials without permanent clearance who had access to this highly uh, classified material. But then Donald Trump personally directed Kelly to give Kushner a top-secret uh, clearance anyway, which made Kelly so uncomfortable at the time that he reportedly documented the request in writing, according to people familiar with the situation, he would shortly thereafter, Kelly would shortly leave the administration. That letter that he wrote at the time has still not been released publicly. But what we have here is a White House now openly, openly defying the law, openly instructing its employees to defy the law, to defy legally issued congressional subpoenas, not because... Uh, the subpoenas are unlawful or because it's a breach of so-called executive privilege, which they have not asserted here, but simply because the White House believes it is not in their interests. They're just not interested. We're, we don't. Thank you very much for your attempted congressional oversight, but we're not interested. What are Democrats doing about it? Well, they are seeking a contempt of Congress citation for Klein. That's good. Why not for the White House itself? Well, we will see. Maybe later. What happens next at this point? Nobody knows. But where the Mueller report found that Donald Trump in secret was ordering his top officials to violate the law, they are now doing it out in the open because apparently they believe and perhaps correctly so, given how Republicans have stolen the Supreme Court for themselves 
and uh, that they know they have a propaganda media operation via Fox News and its affiliate, affiliated propaganda outlets who will never actually even tell the truth to half of the country about these things. Perhaps the White, now, uh, the White House now believes that they'll be able to get away with this, that Democrats are scared to death to do the right thing in defending the Constitution. And so the White House feels they will never be held accountable for blatant lawlessness. And they may be right about that. But that needs to change. That needs to change. And if we need to help the Democrats in Congress change, then we, the people, need to do that. You, the people, can do that by calling your member of Congress and Senator at 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. And you can be patched through to your own um, member of Congress so you can give them your thoughts on all of this. This needs to change. Now, I'm glad that uh, Cummings is moving forward with, uh, 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 hopefully, with a, a vote for on contempt here. What happens next, we don't know. But it needs to change. Democrats need to find some courage here lately. And if we need to help them, we'll help them. But oddly enough, some Republicans, maybe they can we can turn to them to give the necessary courage to Democrats to do the right thing, since Republicans don't seem to be so frightened by everything the way that Democrats are. Maryland's Republican governor, Larry Hogan, Hogan, <laughs> said Tuesday that he is seriously considering a primary challenge against President Trump, saying that the president has made, quote, an attempt to obstruct justice in the Russia investigation, but was saved because aides refused to do his bidding. Speaking to reporters after an appearance in New Hampshire at Politics and Eggs, which is a testing ground for candidates, in the uh, first in the nation's first primary state, Hogan criticized other Republicans for staying silent in the wake of special counsel Mueller's report, which he called, quote, very disturbing and, quote, unsavory. Hogan said, quote, there's no profiles in courage here. He was referring to his fellow Republicans in Congress. They're afraid of being primaried. They're afraid of being tweeted about. Very few of us are willing to say what we really think. Hogan uh, said that he has been approached by a lot of people, a growing number of people, he said, about getting into the race, into the primary race for uh, the Republican nomination for president. He said he plans to visit 16 states in the next few months. He sounds like he's taking this seriously, including an event in Utah in June at the invitation of former House Speaker Paul Ryan and U.S. Senator Mitt Romney. Good to see that Mitt Romney is inviting out the governor of Maryland well, uh, Romney isn't necessarily known for his backbone, but sure. Maybe he's uh, making plan B here at this point. Hogan says, I'm not just wandering around the states hitchhiking. He says he's being encouraged to run by GOP critics of the president. Hogan previous. And if they're smart here, by the way, they will be making these plans, because if somehow Democrats do find the courage to do the right thing and impeach this president and Republicans do find the courage to do the right thing and vote for conviction, then the uh, Republicans are going to have to come up with uh, someone to run in 2020. I know that's a lot of ifs. <laughs> 
But maybe they see some writing on the wall. They certainly should at this point. Hogan said uh, previously that it, quote, makes no sense to challenge Trump unless he is considerably weakened. But on Tuesday, Hogan said he's willing to do so if he believes a contested primary would benefit the Republican Party, even if he does not see a way to win. He added, however, that he was not, quote, going to launch a suicide mission and saw no urgency in getting into the race before the fall. So it may be a while before he makes that decision. Former Massachusetts Governor William Weld has already made the decision. He entered the race this month on the Republican side, but polls show the vast majority of Republican uh, voters and party leaders still remain united behind Trump. Still, that doesn't prevent Weld from doing what he sees as the right thing and taking on Trump, noting uh, when he announced his candidacy a few days ago that he, quote, would be ashamed of myself if I didn't raise my hand and run. Good for Bill Weld. While promising that he would not run as an independent in the general election, if he lost the primary, Weld said, quote, I could not support Donald Trump. I could never support Trump. The president. So now Donald Trump is potentially facing two challenges from within his own party, both popular governors, both elected in so-called blue states who do not appear to be frightened about taking Donald Trump on directly, at least so far. So there's that. Again, maybe Democrats can learn something from that. Fergus Cullen a former New Hampshire State Party chair who said he drove an hour to listen to Hogan speak. I think we had Fergus Cullen on this show years yes, ago. Yes, many years and ago. And I think he got mad at me, didn't he? <laughs> well, As yeah. I recall. He said there's a market for an alternative to Trump. How big that market is, that's an open question. He said when someone, uh, somebody like Governor Hogan steps forward to criticize the president when so many other elected officials do not, that person deserves gratitude, he said, encouragement and maybe a little support. I agree, Mr. Cullen. Uh, also deserving of a little support are former employees of this administration who are willing to criticize the president and not only criticize him, but call for his impeachment. A former member of Donald Trump's transition team made the case for impeaching the president today based on the evidence included in special counsel Robert Mueller's redacted final report. J.W. Verrett, a, uh, a law professor at George Mason University's Antonin Scalia Law School, Yes, there is such a thing. Uh, he served in 2016 as the deputy director of economic policy on Trump's transition team. He uh, wrote an op-ed in The Atlantic today, said, quote, politics is a team sport. And if you actively work within a political party, there is some expectation that you will follow orders and rally behind the leader, even when you disagree. There is a point, though, at which that expectation turns from a mix of loyalty and pragmatism into something more sinister, a blind devotion that serves to enable criminal conduct. The Mueller point, he says, was that tipping point for me, and it should be for Republicans and independent voters and for Republicans in Congress, he wrote. Verrett specifically pointed to, quote, roughly a dozen separate instances of, of, of obstruction of justice in Mueller's report from Trump dangling pardons to, quote, directly ordering people to lie to the special counsel. 
Hmm. Lying to uh, federal investigators. That's something that Republicans in Congress used to care about. At a minimum, Verrett wrote there at a minimum, he wrote, there's enough here to get the impeachment process started. If you think calling for the impeachment of a sitting Republican president would constitute career suicide for someone like me, you may end up being right, said Verrett. But I did exactly that this weekend, tweeting that it is time to begin impeachment proceedings. Congress has an opportunity to shape that public sentiment with the hearings ahead. As sentiments shift, more and more Republicans in Congress will feel emboldened to stand up to the president, he says. Verrett's op-ed at The Atlantic is headlined, The Mueller Report Was My Tipping Point, I Was a Trump Transition Staffer, and I've Seen Enough, It's Time for Impeachment. So even with Republicans, at least a few now, willing to stand up to the president in some uh, way, shape, or form, at least in this case, uh, calling for impeachment. What's the holdup for Democrats? Well, some are beginning to tiptoe uh, through those tulips, a few, very cautiously, because they're Democrats, who are often uh, terrified by their own shadows, often preferring to allow Republicans to tell them how they should be thinking and voting on any manner of things. But they're starting to warm up to the idea a little bit. Let's take a break here and help them get a lot warmer after this. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Just a quick thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi Doyen and I stay on your public airwaves. You're the only thing that keeps us on those public airwaves. We don't rely on uh, corporate support or political support. We rely on you and your support is needed now more than ever at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. No, I won't be afraid. Just as long as you stand, stand by me. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Don't be afraid. I will stand by you, and I think the American people will stand by the Democrats if they do the right thing, if they show some courage for a change. Nonetheless, according to Politico, uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Monday rejected calls to launch impeachment proceedings against President Donald J. Trump, despite new voices in her caucus calling for the House to take that step in the aftermath of special counsel Robert Mueller's report. The speaker vowed to wield the full power of her House majority, however, to, quote, uncover the truth of Trump's, quote, highly unethical and unscrupulous behavior in his alleged attempts to obstruct justice. It's not highly unethical and unscrupulous, Nancy. It's unlawful. It's illegal. That's another way to describe highly unscrupulous behavior in attempting to obstruct justice. It's attempting to commit a crime, Madam Speaker. But the longtime Democratic leader would not endorse taking action to impeach the president despite a growing chorus from her party's left flank to immediately hold hearings on the potential ouster of the president. 
According to sources on the call, she said, uh, we can investigate Trump without drafting articles. Well, that is true. She says, we aren't going to go faster. We aren't going to go as fast. We are going to go as fast as the facts take us. It is also important to know that the facts regarding holding the president accountable can be gained outside of impeachment hear, uh, hearings. That she wrote earlier Monday in, a, uh, in the afternoon in a letter to House Democrats. That is also true. Other Democratic leaders stuck to a similar script on Monday, pledging to investigate Trump thoroughly while downplaying impeachment talk. But some Democrats expressed impatience with the party's leadership's resistance to begin a formal process for possible impeachment. We are struggling to justify why we aren't beginning impeachment proceedings, said Rep. Val Demings, a member of the Judiciary Committee, according to sources who were on that uh, caucus conference call, as a 27-year law enforcement officer, and uh, he said, and while I understand we need to see the full report and all supporting documents, I believe we have enough evidence right now. Congressman Jared Huffman of California, who has supported beginning impeachment proceedings in the past, said Democrats must consider the downside of not pursuing impeachment in the face of this lawlessness. Well, thank you, Congressman Huffman. I agree. Yes, there is a downside of not pursuing impeachment in the face of this lawlessness. There's a lot of downsides, in fact. We'll get to some of those. When one lawmaker, uh, Congresswoman Suzanne Bonamici, Democrat from Oregon, raised the prospect of a censure instead of impeachment, House Judiciary Committee Chair Jerry Nadler, who is firmly in Pelosi's one-step-at-a-time camp, according to Politico, said that censure would be possible but legally meaningless. And he is correct as well on that. Pelosi and her top allies have spent weeks keeping a lid on impeachment fervor among progressives in the Democratic caucus. Most of their colleagues have followed suit, promising thorough investigations. Even uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California, one of the foremost impeachment advocates in the House, told colleagues on Monday... During the call that while she supports moving ahead with it, she is not actively organizing with outside groups to pressure lawmakers to take that step. Nadler said, uh, we, we may get to that. We may not. This uh, on uh, after uh, Democrats were seesawing back and forth be, between deciding whether to move forward with impeachment or not, as they were asked about it on the Sunday shows. Nadler chairs the Judiciary Committee where articles of impeachment would be first introduced and considered. He said, as I've said before, it is our job to go through all the evidence, all the information we can get. Well, that is fine, but there is more information, more evidence of crimes being created every day by this administration. Are we going to keep waiting for that information, for that evidence before moving forward and doing something about this scofflaw administration? Congressman Adam Schiff, chair of the House Intelligence Committee, laid out the political calculus that Democrats would have to make, knowing a Republican Senate would be almost certain to derail any impeachment effort, regardless of any evidence of obstruction in the Mueller report. 
And I'm not sure I agree with that. And uh, I've got some material I've been trying to get to on that. Hopefully I can get to it today. But, you know, there's this conventional wisdom that Republicans are just not going to go along with this. They will never allow it. There are even some who are questioning, and this is a legitimate question, whether uh, Mitch McConnell would even allow a trial in the Senate. If you read the Constitution closely, it doesn't require that they absolutely must hold a uh, an impeachment trial even after the House has voted uh, on articles of impeachment to send them uh, to send them to the U.S. Senate. And let's be real. To be honest, even if it is in the Constitution, McConnell, as he has done with the stolen Supreme Court seat of Merrick Garland, he'll probably find a, way find a way to, to not do it. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Schiff said on Sunday, that's a very tough question, and I think we ought to uh, not to make it overnight. Uh, He said it. it, uh, This was, I think, on one of the Sunday shows. Well, you know, it may be a tough question, but that and it shouldn't be made overnight. But whether Republicans would derail the process should not be his or any other Democrats consideration. As far as I'm concerned, they should be worried about simply doing what is right for a change, what is constitutional for a change. Plus, I'm not so sure that it would be derailed by Republicans at all, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, While leadership is busy holding back the tide of calls for accountability and impeachment, that dam may be weakening, argues Aaron Blake over at The Washington Post today. Emphasis is on May. Uh, He declares that the dam has already been breached, but I don't know that he's right about that yet. Blake writes, Monday was the day that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had to know might be coming, but did her best to forestall. It was the day the dam she had erected against the Democrats' impeachment fervor was finally breached, despite polls showing Uh, Long showing about three quarters of Democratic voters favor impeachment. Pelosi and her fellow leaders had done a good job keeping their party's congressional contingent unified behind a more cautious approach, while a handful of mostly backbenchers have kept beating the impeachment drum. Despite that, it had not really filtered up into the ranks of the top leaders and presidential candidates, writes Blake. After the release of the Mueller report, that is changing, he says. Senator Elizabeth Warren was the first big-name 2020 candidate to come out in favor of impeachment. She did so quite clearly on Friday. And on Monday, Senator Kamala Harris joined her. Now, you may have seen reports of Kamala Harris calling for impeachment on Monday night during a CNN town hall. I think that characterization of her remarks is a bit overblown by a number of folks and I'll I'll, I'll play it for you uh, but including Blake here uh, and and in a number of you know clickbaity headlines suggesting that she's demanding impeachment proceedings begin she has joined Warren in this demand yeah not so much if you listen closely to what uh, Kamala Harris actually said on Monday night as the Hill notes, uh, and I'll play it for you, as the Hill notes, Democratic presidential senator, uh, presidential hopeful Senator Kamala Harris said Monday that the House should take steps towards impeaching President Trump, saying she believes that special counsel Robert Mueller's report uh, revealed evidence of obstruction of justice. Well, take steps is not all that unlike what Pelosi and Nadler have been saying at this point, well, we will investigate. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We will look and see where the evidence leads us. The Hill goes on to report 
that Harris is one of the few 2020 Democratic candidates to call for impeachment. I don't think she's calling for impeachment here, but you'll be the judge. Senator Elizabeth Warren, they note last week, called on the House to start impeachment proceedings, citing a section of Mueller's report in which he wrote that Congress has the authority to conduct obstruction of justice investigations. Well, a call for impeachment. It did not sound that way to me. Here's what Harris said specifically on CNN on Monday night. Uh, we have a question from her name is Carla Alvarado. She's right there to the right. Hi. And Carla is a senior at Harvard University from Massachusetts. Carla. Good evening, Senator Harris. Thank you for joining us this evening. In light of Mueller's report, do you believe the Democrats in Congress should reconsider their position on impeachment? Well, it depends on who you're talking to and what their what their position is. But here's how I feel about it. And thank you for the question, Carla. Look, um, for those of us who have been following the investigation and have seen any part of that report, it is very clear that there is a lot of good evidence pointing to obstruction and obstruction of justice. And I believe very strongly, first of all, let me just be very clear about the, the table set. I believe that we need to get rid of this president. That's why I'm running for the, um, to become president of the United States. So that is part of the premise, obviously, of my point. Um, but I think we have very good reason to believe that there is an investigation that has been conducted, which has produced evidence that tells us that this president and his administration engaged in obstruction of justice. I believe Congress should take the steps towards impeachment. Okay. So uh, should take some steps towards impeachment. That's not exactly a call for impeachment, but it's okay, right? Did it sound like a call for impeachment to you, Dad? No, it did not. It sounds like she was hedging, hemming and hawing there a bit, but okay. Take steps towards impeachment. She gets applause. Not exactly a clarion call, but close-ish. But then, rather than leaving vague enough alone, uh, she added this. But I want to say this, because it doesn't end there. I also want to say this. Um, I'm also a realist. And when I look at what has been happening over the two years and some months that I've been in the United States Senate, I have also witnessed folks in the United States Congress, and in particular in the GOP, who have been presented with many reasons to push back against this president, and they have not. And when we look at the impeachment process, there will be what happens in the House and an investigation that takes place. I think we can be pretty sure that it looks like that is, is very likely to happen. And then it's going to go over to the Senate. And in the House, there needs to be a vote by a majority, a simple majority, and then it's going to come over to the Senate. And I've not seen any evidence since I've been in the United States Senate that the United States Senate and the Republicans hold a majority. I've not seen any evidence to suggest that they will weigh on the facts instead of on partisan adherence to, to being protective of this president. And that's what concerns me and what will be the eventual outcome. So we have to be realistic about what might be the end result, but that doesn't mean the process should not take hold. Mm. So it seems like she's saying, well, we should take the steps. We should move in this direction. But, you know, we got to be realistic. Republicans will probably not vote for this. Well, I understand her mm -hmm. decision to manage people's expectations. Right. I think that is important. But I also think that the Democrats are missing a huge opportunity to bring the fight to Republicans and especially their Republican senator colleagues who are basically hiding a criminal lawless president. I will. Uh, I'll get to those Republicans in a second. 
second. So, but contrast what uh, Kamala Harris said there with Elizabeth Warren's uh, comments on this matter. On Friday on Twitter, she noted that, quote, the severity of this misconduct demands that elected officials in both parties set aside political considerations and do their constitutional duty. She wrote, that means the House should initiate impeachment proceedings against the president of the United States. There was no hedging her bets there on Twitter, no playing it safe, no splitting the baby. She then went on uh, onto Rachel Maddow's show on NBC that night, as we also played a clip from yesterday, uh, to say uh, what to offer what I do believe is a clarion call. This is about a point of principle. Uh, the report is absolutely clear. Donald Trump took multiple steps to try to obstruct justice. You know, this is one of those moments when I get it that there are people who think politically, no, it's going to be too hard to do this. This isn't about politics. This isn't even specifically about Donald Trump himself. It is about what a president of the United States should be able to do and what the role of Congress is in saying, no, a president does not get to come in and stop an investigation about a foreign power that attacked this country or an investigation about his own wrongdoing. Equal justice under law. No one is above the law, and that includes the President of the United States. It is the constitutional responsibility of Congress to follow through on that. Good for her. Again, a clarion call, very clear, no hedging her bets, no splitting the baby. And then again on Monday night, that was Elizabeth Warren last Friday. And then again on Monday night during her own town hall on CNN. There was a series of them on Monday night. Yeah, it was like five hours long. She had uh, she had this to say on the same topic. Uh, impeachment proceedings to be initiated against President Trump. What do you say to those Democrats who say, look, this is not the time. It's going to take away focus from winning in 2020. Speaker Pelosi told her caucus again just today that she has no plans to immediately initiate impeachment proceedings. So there is no political inconvenience exception to the United States Constitution. Thank Um, you. Thank you, Senator. This is about principle. This is about what kind of a democracy we have. In a dictatorship, Everything in government revolves around protecting the one person at the center, but not in our democracy and not under our constitution. We have checks and balances, and we have to proceed here in a way understanding our place in history that not only protects democracy now, but protects democracy when the next president comes in and the next president and the president after that. That's our responsibility. But you started off by saying, by talking about some of your travels and people talking about climate change and their concerns and tabletop issues, doesn't putting a lot of Democrats focused on impeaching the president, which is not going to pass in the Senate, it's not really going to go anywhere in that sense, doesn't that take away focus from the tabletop issues that you and other Democrats say they want to run on? So, you know, let me just say, if you've actually read the Mueller report, it's all laid out there. It's not like it's going to take a long time to figure this out. It's there. It's got the footnotes. It's got the points. It connects directly to the law. But this really is fundamentally, I took an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States. 
And so did everybody else in the Senate and in the House. And I believe that every person in the Senate and the House ought to have to vote and to say either, yeah, that's okay with me. Yeah, let a president just step in the way he did when he told the White House counsel to go fire Mueller and then told the White House counsel to go lie about having told the White House counsel to go fire Mueller, and then told the White House counsel to write a letter saying that Donald Trump had not told him to go fire Mueller, and then to say, why on earth would you take notes about what I said to you? The lawyers I deal with never put anything in writing. <laughs> so she goes on for a bit there, but that, to me, at least, is what a clarion call sounds like. That is a clear position. Now, it may not be the position that you like for whatever reason, uh, and you may completely disagree with her, but it is a clear, unapologetic, unhedged position of someone who sounds to me like she is willing to lead on this issue. And now I'm not making the case for Warren to be the Democratic uh, Party's nominee, uh, but I do think her position is worth noting here as you're making your considerations, as we're all making our considerations. I may have to vote vote for Bill Weld over in the Republican primary, but that's a separate <laughs> issue. Uh, but, you know, I think we need to this. What do we got about 20 people so far in this race? And uh, so I think it's helpful to note the contrast between uh, between some of them on their positions. Uh, and the contrast here with Kamala Harris, who is um, and, and her position on impeachment, which I think is a lot different than what is being portrayed in the media today with folks sort of putting both of them together. Both Warren and Harris have come out for impeachment. Well, yeah, they're mushing them together. Sort of and that's true. Yeah, that's not really true. And and I just want to address the idea yeah. that this will not be a that th this political calculation that the House Democratic leadership is making. I think this would actually absolutely be a winning issue for Democrats running for the 2020 presidential campaign. In fact, for all Democrats running in 2020, because I think this commands the news cycle. And when you command the news cycle, mm. you have the choice to set that narrative. So so not just a winning issue for Democrats running for the nomination. You're saying this would be a winning issue for running for president. Exactly. In 2020. Exactly. All right. Well, let me also uh, note here. Uh, out of uh, fairness, of course, that a former Housing and Urban Development Secretary, Julian Castro, uh, have also said they support impeachment hearings. Uh, well, Castro and Miramar, Florida Mayor Wayne Messam. Don't even know who he is. Apparently, he is also a 2020 candidate. Really? Both have also said, yeah, uh, that they support impeachment proceedings. I have not heard their specific remarks, but I wanted to note uh, that uh, Warren and Harris are not the only ones to speak in gen generally encouraging terms about uh, impeachment. Some other 2020 Democrats uh, are divided on whether to proceed on impeachment, many voicing concerns about the political ramifications of such a move. Uh, the Hill cites Vermont's uh, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders at his CNN town hall. He warned Democrats uh, that focusing obsessively on impeachment could backfire and play into Trump's hands. Well, I would agree with him on that. Obsessive, yes, that's bad. 
You also have to. You run just said on, it should it no. should be used to control the narrative. I did not say it should be used solely to control the yeah. narrative. You have to do both. You have to be able to both walk and chew gum at the same time. Do your constitutional duty for your job today, and then also demonstrate for your constituents and the people who might vote for you that you will fight for what is right, regardless of the political cost, when you're running in an election. I think you're trying to have it both ways. I think you should see if you can uh, get a job with the Kamala Harris campaign. <laughs> they could use someone like you. I think. Democrats have to run both on policy and on doing what is right. Also, it should be noted, Pete uh, Buttigieg has sim- has been similarly careful with his remarks. He has said that Trump, quote, deserves impeachment, but that is not up to him. It's up to Congress. It's up to the folks in the House and Senate. He's not in Congress. He's a mayor of uh, South Bend, Indiana. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Mayor Pete. I disagree. It is not up to the House and Senate. It is up to all of us. It is up to we the people. Uh, and in this case, I think a, a, a clear position should be taken one way or another. Even if it's to say, I don't believe we should impeach. I don't believe we have enough information yet then make that uh, decision. He says that he deserves impeachment, but he's going to stay out of it. But I want to focus on this notion for a second that this entire thing is somehow fruitless because, as uh, Harris said, and as you heard Anderson Cooper reiterate and many others say, uh, The Hill ends its article, for example, on this saying, any move on impeachment would almost certainly hit a dead end in the Republican-controlled Senate. No way that Republicans would ever vote for impeachment. Well... Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I, I don't know that they won't. Based on their own comments about impeachment, and even if they won't, um, avoiding doing the right thing, the constitutional thing, the rule of long, uh, rule of law thing, that is not a good look. That is that is the equivalent of uh, giving Republicans a veto as to who is and isn't held accountable to the Constitution and to the rule of law by saying, well, the Republicans are against it. They'll never vote with us. So I don't think we should move forward with impeachment. I mean, in other words, this is allowing Republicans a veto as to which president may or may not be impeached. Not only is that crazy, it's also decidedly not what Republicans would do or, frankly, what they should do in a similar situation if we were talking about a Democratic president with all of this evidence of crime and corruption and lawlessness that gets worse by the day uh, already on display. And we know that from history. Let me take a quick break here and come back to talk about uh, the Republicans And uh, their thoughts on impeachment, and it may not be what you think, and uh, the conventional wisdom that, oh, they're not going to go along with this. I don't know if that is true. Quick break, and we are back with that on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Gotta get back in time. 
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So, uh, talking about this conventional wisdom that Republicans just won't do the right thing. There's no reason to go through with impeachment because Republicans would never vote to convict, even though it only requires uh, a simple majority in the House, the Democratic-controlled House, to vote to uh, send articles of impeachment to the Senate. It would require two-thirds of the U.S. Senate to vote in order to convict and remove Donald Trump from office. And let me just say that again. Remove Donald Trump from office. I'm repeating that again because it just sounds like a fun phrase to say, doesn't it? <laughs> um in any event, so the, this is the conventional wisdom. So why bother? We're not going to, you know, the Dem the Republicans will vote against it anyway. And that may be. But uh, as The Guardian notes, Robert Mueller's report effectively accused Donald Trump of, among many other things, obstructing justice by a whole bunch of means, including by witness tampering. Mueller's team found Trump repeatedly made efforts to, quote, encourage witnesses not to cooperate with the investigation, unquote, into Russia's interference in the 2016 election. The redacted version of the special counsel's report said Trump, quote, made it known, unquote, that Paul Manafort, his former campaign chair, could receive a pardon, according to Mueller. The president also urged Manafort and Michael Cohen, his legal fixer, not to, quote, flip and help Mueller's inquiry. In both cases, Mueller found evidence that Trump acted with the intent of hindering the investigation, a necessary component for prosecuting witness tampering and obstruction of justice in general. In addition, Mueller found that Trump asked senior advisors to tell Michael Flynn, his former national security advisor, to, quote, stay strong and asked for two senior White House officials who were witnesses in the investigation to create fake records that would help protect him. More than three pages describing Trump's potentially obstructive actions toward yet another witness, his uh, longtime friend and advisor Roger Stone, seemingly. Those were completely redacted in Mueller's report because they relate to an ongoing matter. Stone is currently being prosecuted on federal charges. But it is against federal law to tamper with a witness in an official proceeding, such as Mueller's investigation. And that is just some of the many instances of obstruction of justice documented here by Trump trying to stop the investigation by ordering that uh, FBI director James Comey be fired before he then tried to fire Robert Mueller, along uh, with Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Time after time, he obstructed the investigation and, as you may recall, obstruction of justice and witness tampering and lying to the public were among the articles of impeachment against both Bill Clinton and Richard Nixon. So we've already held uh, impeachment inquiries on those issues. Now, on our uh, broadcast on Friday with Salon's Heather Digby Parton, the day after Trump's new attorney general, Bill Barr, had finally released the redacted Mueller report, I asked Heather if she had heard of any Republican senators commenting on the serious obstruction of justice and witness tampering charges that were detailed by Mueller in that report. 
uh, since, you know, one of the excuses the Democrats have been offering for not impeaching Trump is that they'd never get that two thirds vote to convict in the Senate with Republicans in the majority there. I find that excuse for not doing the right thing and not doing their constitutional duty. I find that to be pretty lame. Uh, But Senate Republicans uh, had been pretty quiet after the release of the Mueller report for some reason or another. Well, now we've got a lot of statements here compiled by The Guardian from Republicans in the Senate who would be called on to vote on conviction in that body. Um, If the House Democrats vote, only a simple majority is needed to send impeachment charges to the U.S. Senate. Here's a quick sampling from Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader. Uh, says the undisputed evidence shows that the president took the path of lies and deceit contrary to federal obstruction of justice laws. I am completely and utterly perplexed by those who argue that perjury and obstruction of justice are not high crimes and misdemeanors. Chuck Grassley of Iowa, the former chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, said it is clear to me that the president committed serious crimes when he misled his aides. These actions weren't just outrageous and morally wrong. They were also illegal. Pat Roberts of Kansas said, we in Kansas know that you don't call witnesses in the middle of the night unless you want to sway them. The president did so. Mike Crapo of Idaho said the true issues uh, related to abuse of power of the presidency, perjury, obstruction of justice and witness tampering, tampering with the truth seeking functions of law undermines our justice system and the foundations on which our freedoms lie. All Americans must abide by the rule of law, including the president of the United States, said Senator Crapo. Who uh, The president of the United States, he added, is the highest official in the land and has the additional duty to ensure that the laws are faithfully executed. James Inhofe of Oklahoma said federal law on witness tampering criminalizes anyone who corruptly persuades or engages in misleading conduct with the intent to influence the testimony of any person in an official proceeding. Roy Blunt of Missouri said there is clear evidence that the president urged others to obstruct justice. These are serious felonious acts. Oaths taken in the American system of government are serious commitments to truth and the rule of law. Violating these oaths or causing others to impede the investigation into such acts are serious matters that do meet the standard for impeachment. Again, Roy Blunt, Republican senator. Republican Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina said, I believe the president encouraged a witness to provide false information. I do not believe we can ignore the facts or disregard the Constitution so that the president can be placed above the law. Jerry Moran of Kansas said it is clear that the president orchestrated an attempt to obstruct justice. The untruthful actions of the president are not mere technical violations of federal law. Rather, the president's lies, obfuscation and overt acts to obstruct justice are serious and felonious. 
One more here. John Thune, Republican senator from South Dakota, said our Declaration of Independence says it best, quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. In America, there is no emperor. There is no Praetorian guard. There is one standard of justice that applies equally to all and to say or do otherwise will undermine the most sacred of all American ideals. The president has committed federal crimes and there must be a reckoning. And finally, Lindsey Graham, uh, who of South Carolina, who now chairs the Senate Judiciary Committee, he had this to say. So the point I'm trying to make is you don't even have to be convicted of a crime to lose your job in this constitutional republic. If this body determines that your conduct as a public official is clearly out of bounds in your role, because impeachment is not about punishment. Impeachment is about cleansing the office. Impeachment is about restoring honor and integrity to the office. And I'm sure you have figured out by now that those were uh, senators, all senators who are still sitting in Congress right now. Uh, Lindsey Graham was in the House at the time, but all House uh, congressmen and senators who voted for impeachment or conviction of Bill Clinton back in 1998. That's what they had to say about obstruction of justice and witness tampering back then. So when people talk about the idea that, uh, oh, Republicans will never go along with this, I don't know if they will or if they won't. But if they are held to the same standards that they tried to uphold in 1998, if those words are repeated for them and their hypocrisy is laid bare for all to see and they still don't vote to do the right thing, well, maybe they won't. But I think it'll make it a hell of a lot harder for them to pull that crap against a Democratic president the next time this issue comes up. So there are all sorts of reasons to move ahead, if nothing else to hold the uh, hypocrisy of these Republicans up for all to see. Finally, let me end here with Elijah Cummings on Friday, begging the American people to do the right thing. I think it's, um, I think we are in a, a very difficult time in this country's history. And I'm begging the American people to pay attention to what's going on. I often say that people are gonna look back at this time 200 years from now and ask the question, what did you do to reverse this. As I told the president when I met with him two years ago, I said, Mr. President, you know, the greatest gift that we can leave to our children is a, a democracy that is intact. And at the rate mm -hmm. we're going, it won't be there. And I'm begging <sighs> the American people to become a part of this process. I notify your congressman, tell them that you want to make sure that we address this issue in, in an effective and efficient way. I'm begging the American people to do the same. You can contact your congressman by dialing 202-224-3121, 202-224-3121. I got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me an email if you have thoughts on any of this. I am bradcast at bradblog.com, and I hope you will find, follow, and share what we do on the Facebooks and the Twitters, where you can find me at the Brad Blog. That is it for today. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>